Thanks for the donut. You're welcome. So this is an old, did you do this while you were on the air? Well, pretty much. I usually ate because, you know, on the morning show, it was so early and I got up and had coffee, like, or stopped at a gas station on the way and got coffee. So at work, somebody always brought in bakery, a listener, one of the other staff that came in early. We always had crap in there. Always. It was amazing I didn't weigh 300 pounds, quite frankly. <laughs> I mean, really, I'm, I'm lucky I have some good metabolism. I think, um, I think you probably move a little too much for that. Well, <laughs> that could be. What do you mean? <laughs> mm. It's so good to see you, though. Oh, good to see you, too. Is, uh, You're so clean-shaven. I know. Are I, you staying that way nowadays? I have been. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, I've been uh, clean-shaven pretty regularly now for a few months. feels good. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I do, too. On me. <laughs> I've been clean-shaven, too, for a while. You know, as you get older, you'll find, mm. you know, Samantha will begin to grow the hair. Not anytime soon, mm. but... You know, after menopause, and you'll start to lose even more. Okay. Pretty soon your legs will be, you won't have to shave them. They'll just be almost hairless. So we switch places. Yeah, well, yeah, in some ways, the okay. hairy the hairy way. Men lose it and women grow it. <laughs> and not in places they want to. <laughs> yeah, the hand were dealt. Ugh. Ashley was looking at beard, beard oil one day at uh, Target. Just I thought maybe instead of getting rid of it all, I should just embrace work it. with it and embrace that, it. That was something Shine you, it up you a al- little. You always told me that. You yeah. always told me that you were jealous of the ability to like yes. be able to grow a beard yes. and cut a beard. I've loved beards and mustaches since I was a little kid. I don't know why. Yeah. My dad didn't have one. When he tried to grow one, he looked real like kind of swarthy or I don't know. He just didn't look good. He looked like kind of scary because he oh. had a dark complexion okay and for some reason and kind of a, what they used to call a ruddy complexion ruddy. which yeah kind of like reddish tones and really his beard grew really fast his whiskers okay so he all but when he grew a beard he sort of looked like a gorilla yeah <laughs> with a beard <laughs> Gorilla. So he stayed away gorillas from Gorillas don't have beards, but he, for some reason, looked like one. <laughs> I mean, but if a gorilla did have a beard. Yeah, if a gorilla like had a dad. beard, he'd look like my dad. Yeah. God bless him. You know, just kidding around, Dad. I love you. You know I do. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. <clears throat> but yeah, it makes you look really young. That, I've, I've been told. I yeah. think it makes me look thinner, too. It, yeah. Mm. I was actually going to ask you if you lost weight. Yeah. Because I can see your... You can see your cheekbones, and yeah. you really have a nice, nice fine features. Well, thank you. I've never <laughs> really noticed before. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I went. I was telling Samantha. I giggled about it. There was probably no. This was a month or two ago. There was like a week span where like three people asked me if I had lost weight, and it was probably the first time each of those people had saw me since I had been clean shaven for a while. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's just got to stick around, you know. It's a, <laughs> Take it. Take it when you yeah, can get them. I that's mean, awesome. You brought a donut. Yeah, sorry. Uh, well. Immediately before this donut, I had uh, ice cream. So oh, my other favorite. I'm just double sugar in it, and still mm. people are asking if I'm looking thin. So, What's oh. your favorite ice cream? Oh, right now we're on this kick of um, from Fresh Time, actually. I know you like Fresh mm-hmm. Time. Uh, the brand is, I think it's called Hudsonville, mm. and it is chocolate brownie cookie oh. dough. And the trifecta. Is, yeah, it's immaculate. 
Yeah. It's really good. Chocolate brownie cookie dough. Mm-hmm. And the, it's nice because the, the brownies and the cookie dough aren't too like chalky. You know, sometimes you yeah. get those ice creams that they're like yeah. Yeah. chalky. Yes. This one is great. The chocolate ice cream is nice and like really wispy and kind of thin. Oh, it's good. It sounds you? like one I'd like to stir up. Like yeah. stir it all up together, kind of make it a malt texture and mm-hmm. then sort of, I like to do that. Let it melt a little bit and get <coughs> yeah. spoonfuls of like almost shake. Yeah. Salivating. I've actually kind of leaned a little away from ice cream these days okay. just because sometimes dairy just doesn't always set well with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been into frozen yogurts okay. that really now taste like ice cream. Not like the kind they first came out with 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, when you were in the cradle, um, <laughs> but the kind that you probably, you know, got spoon fed them a little bit mm, once in a while. Yeah. Um, and it's called, I think it's got black cherries in it. Okay. It's black cherry something frozen yogurt and it's really good. Although I always like the ones with chocolate and cookie dough and caramel and, and all that in them too. There's really not an ice cream or an ice cream like thing. I, I still eat ice cream, but not on a regular basis. Like mm-hmm. we've been eating drumsticks at our house lately. Mm. Yeah. Nice. The sugar cone, yep. the ice cream, and now they put caramel in the middle or fudge in the middle of the ice cream and then really nice chocolate what and then nuts on the top. Too. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now I'm really getting hungry. So uh, <laughs> like smart cow then? Do you guys ever mm. go to smart cow? No. No? If I'm going to eat ice cream, I eat ice cream. Because smart, smart cow is yogurt, right? Yeah, maybe it is, but it's supposed to be less, I mean, it's supposed to be good for you, I think, Probably but relative. whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just don't, I, I like it. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I just don't go because like they have a perfect like business model. Like they have two, mm. two different size. I was confused. Cups. Yes. Now I know what you're oh, talking you're about. about. Smart Cold cow. Stone. The, yes. I'm you're smart cow. Stone. I got you. Got you. So smart cow, they've got two, the different size cups and like. I do too. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Yeah. We have something in common. Nobody's symmetrical. Sorry. Um, (laughs) They, uh, and by the time you get through just the ice cream wall, then you get your toppings and you have like $11 worth of ice cream. It's, they get you every single time. It's good though. Yeah. Yeah. What about gelato? You ever do gelato? Um, no, not really. Everybody says it's delicious and yummy. And I just, every time I look at it and look at the texture of it, I just kind of go, eh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm very sensory and that just looks like it might feel funny in my mouth for some reason. I'll try it one day. Yeah. But I just haven't, I've been satisfied with my frozen yogurt and ice cream. Nice. So I haven't felt the need to try another branch of that whole thing. Yeah. But I will someday, just (laughs) for you. All right. And then you'll think of me. I will. Yes, I will. You probably like, I'm, that's like a, probably a prerequisite to post retirement right is like mid-afternoon ice cream socials like isn't that a sort thing? of <laughs> is that Act- a thing you know what no well, actually this is a thing mid-afternoon coffee with like pie mm. or a cookie or donut i don't often do donut i don't have donuts at home but i do sometimes have pie or a brownie so it's about two thirty three because i eat lunch sometimes up about eleven thirty. you mm-hmm. know by noon for sure because i eat breakfast at like six thirty. yeah so I can't, if to make it to dinner time, I got to have a mid-afternoon snack and a little touch of this to get me through so I can watch Netflix all night. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> and Hulu and Prime, you know, yeah. till the wee hours. Yeah. Get out I know we got we got to fly in the zone. That, that's a new one too. It must have came it's in. Probably an Iranian spy. Yep, they're in here. We got a lot of hot takes in here that they're looking for. Oh, good <laughs> one. Oh boy. <laughs> what, so, yeah, I know you're a big uh, you're a big show watcher. What's been on your list lately? Um, what was I watching last night? Oh, we I have um we got two free or three free days of um is it Showtime? I think. Okay. So I just started watching a show called Is it Shy Shy Shy? It's C H I. It takes place in Chicago. Okay. Yeah, it was. Um, it's it's really like this inner city streets of Chicago kind of show, um, you know, with the language and the culture and everything. Um, so I got about two and a half episodes in, and I'm kind of hooked. So, right. and there's like five seasons, so it's like, oh crap, this is exactly what they want you to do: start watching something, get hooked, and then you got to buy it at least for a month to finish off your you know, the yeah. series that you started. So and you'll do it. You'll make the purchase. I probably will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just, I was thinking I'm justifying it by saying, well, I was going to drop Hulu anyway and pick up Netflix again so I could watch quarterback because mm. I dropped Netflix before the summer just for a switch, you know, because yep. there's stuff on Hulu I wanted to see. And now I'm kind of running through Hulu a little bit and nothing's jumping out at me anymore. So yeah, I still go back to my old um, standbys like, you know, everybody loves Raymond, King of I know Queens. You like Raymond, I yeah. still go back to those some nights when I really need to get to sleep. So I put those on because I've seen Everybody Loves Raymond. I've seen every episode at least ten times. Yeah, at least I can, like most guys can, recite the lines with them. I don't know why, but I've always found guys can do that better than women, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, why guys can recite movie lines like line for line? They'll say to each other, "Hey." Hit it out of the ballpark. And the other guy goes, yeah, in the fourth zone. <laughs> and they both laugh. And yeah. you're like, what? You're mm-hmm. like, haven't you ever seen Ghostbusters? You know? And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know the lines. But yeah. why is that? It must be a guy thing. I never hear women do it. Not very often. Especially. Not very often. Especially cult comedy classics. Yeah. They, like. You will never go golfing with a middle-aged group of dudes and not hear 19 Caddyshack references. Sure. Like, oh, absolutely. You're out on the golf course. Yeah. 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 It just lends itself to it. And I stand there, and, and some of the lines are funny without seeing the movie, but I did see that movie. But again, I don't remember it like that. I remembered it was funny. Yeah. You know? But, you know, you've probably watched it more than... How many times, too? Right. To be able to memorize the lines. Like yeah. I said, I've seen all the Raymond episodes at least 10 times each. And that's how I've been able to memorize some of the lines, but not. So I'm wondering, do guys all watch movies that much? Like repeat them? And I'm thinking, yeah, they actually watch replays of like football games. <laughs> so of course they do. But so do you. <laughs> well, so- <laughs> actually, you know, I, before I came here, I was watching a little bit just because I was waiting for the time to come and I was kind of in between. I watched a little bit of the Viking um, Seahawks game from last night. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just the very beginning. And I thought, what am I doing? Packers <laughs> preseason game tonight. I know. It's kind of a mm. kind of a big one, right? As big yeah. as preseason gets. How do you how are you feeling about you know, we've had conversations about sports before. So many, many. Yeah. Kathy so and I have talked about sports for hours and hours. <laughs> um, this will be a big part of what we talk about today. <laughs> oh yeah. Goody. I how are you feeling about the season going in? Like, honestly, feeling like, what's your gut tell you? 
my gut says we're probably going to be just under 500, something like that. Um, I I really, really want Jordan Love to do well. Oh, God, too. I hope he does. I'm with you there. I just, I haven't seen anything yet to point that direction. I, I hope. And I guess somebody has, but not us. Right. But, you know, there's a, there's a lot of egos in the NFL. Uh, and I think we've learned that over the past couple of years more than. Yeah, there was a guy that was here that seemed to have a pretty <laughs> healthy one. Yeah. can't think of his name right now. Or, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and among well, I, many, we'll among talk, many, we'll talk about that too, because we, uh, we have different thoughts on Aaron, but, um, I think, uh, that's a, it's inter- it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. If it's the ego from the front office that said, this is our guy because He's we picked him out. in the we first picked, round. Yep. Yeah. Or if there's truly something that we haven't seen mm-hmm. because you never know. I mean, you don't know what to take for full credit from the media now anyway. <sighs> Like, well, you never yeah. know. It's, it came from a PR machine somewhere. Right, because we don't have, you know, inside sources that are at practice every day and reporting back to us, you right. know, except for the people on the radio or whatever, the reporters that are in there. Yep. But again, they only see so much. Right. What and tonight we'll to only see. see so much. Yeah. What do you think? Three drives tonight, maybe? Maybe, yeah. yeah. You know, I've been listening a lot <clears throat> to sports radio because that's the kind of radio I like to listen to, besides your podcast, of course. Um <laughs> Absolutely number one. Um, I <laughs> how was that? Not even did available I, did yet. Did I say it right? Did I say it how he told me to? Yeah. <laughs> that's what you told me to say, right? Yeah, something. Okay, like I knew check it was the something. Notes. They're under the table. Oh crap! That's right. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? I forgot. Oh, they said that you know, you know, they've asked coaches why do you why do you want these joint practices? Because Lafleur was the first coach to bring that into Green Bay. They'd never done that before ever. Okay. And, and then the preseason games. And what they explained, and it kind of made sense to me, was is that the um, joint practices, the veterans actually get a lot of reps. They're actually, you know, getting 20 to 30 reps during a joint practice when they go against each other. But in a preseason game, most of the veterans aren't getting a lot of reps because those games are to see who's going to make the team, mm. you know. I mean, they know who's going to be on the team. So those guys, they don't want to get hurt but they have to practice anyway. And in the joint practices, they get to let it get a little bit lathered up and, you know, let a little bit of that out finally. Sure. Um, so I thought that kind of made sense. You know, you know what you got in the veterans, but you just, you got to see these guys under the big lights, you know. Some guys are good practice players and they don't do so well in a game, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, just like players who are great players in whatever sport they're in, but they don't, it doesn't translate to coaching. Yeah. Not quite the same, but yeah. kind of like that. Great practice player, but just doesn't have the juice to, or maybe even the mental juice to put it together in a in a game. Yeah, there's different <laughs> levels of people, or or a great regular season player that just can't make the jump into a great postseason player. Yeah, I can think of one. I think it was the same <laughs> one we were talking about earlier. <laughs> oh, that is uh, that's tough. That's tough, but it, it certainly. He he had performances in the postseason that he could have won, but there there are yeah. certainly times when. It, he didn't play up to, you know, his obvious ability. Yep. You know, I think probably right now you and I are closer on Aaron Rodgers than we've probably ever been. I've come around a little bit on him. Yeah? I have. Yeah. I think um, just because, you know, taking stock of my own life and stepping back and leaving the working world and making a big change, I think I can kind of see what was happening there with him. You know, like he probably should have been gone sooner rather yep. than later. 
Yep. And there wouldn't have been all the bitterness on both sides because, you know, everybody, no matter how good they are or whatever, I mean, look at even our, we have terms on the presidency, you know, I mean, things come to fruition and they just, you know, at some point they, they plateau and then they go like this. I mean, yeah. I think it was just, I respect him more as a person. I wish he would have handled some things a little differently, but I think the Packers also could have handled definitely handled things differently. Yeah. So I think it's a more of a 50-50 thing there and the best thing that happened could have. It's funny you say that because I'm sure we're at it we're the closest we've ever been because I've I've come a little bit of the to the other way. Okay. Because of exactly what you just said. Um you know I I mean Aaron Rodgers was the the top of the mountain for me. I know. And, I know. And uh you I completely agree with you that um I always I I always had the argument that Aaron Rodgers was a very effective leader, mm-hmm. and, and I kind of, I overlooked some things that w- weren't effective leadership from his perspective, but I believe they happened because of what you're saying. I, I think there was, that divorce should have happened <laughs> earlier. Uh, there was too much animosity yep. there. The, there was a, there was too much underlying emotion for either side to do what was right. Yep. And the reason it worked out for Aaron is because he's such a stick it in your face guy. That oh yeah. They said, "Oh, okay, you're going to draft my replacement. I'm going to do every single thing I can to make you look like an idiot." And he yep. won MVP twice, but that's not leading a team, no. you know? So no. I compl- you can, you can understand more what happened when you take a step yep. back from it. Yep. I'm super happy for him. Did you, uh, are hard knocks? Do you have HBO at all? No, I don't. Now I'm like, Oh, I've never wanted to watch that. And then I don't want to be that person that watches it just because yeah. as I read in some Facebook posts, it should be called hard knocks with Aaron Rodgers. The first you know, was like, Aaron, cause yeah. it was like, it was all about Aaron Rodgers. They said, forget the hard knocks part. Let's just call it Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. hard knocks. It was, it was Aaron Rodgers physical footage, and then it was other players talking about how cool it was to play with Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. Which really, well, how, do you, how do you get away from it? He's, he's a, a legend. legend. Yeah. Right. He's yeah. a legend. I mean, let's face it. I mean, that's yeah. how it's going to be. If it was Tom Brady, yeah. which it probably was at one time, didn't they do his? I mean, don't, most of the teams have done it now, right? Or not? I'm sure they never did New England. Le- no, yeah. probably not. Belichick probably wouldn't. He probably wouldn't have allowed that. First or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be a distraction and he doesn't allow that. Yeah. And think about even that relationship. That relationship came to a, a head where I'm sure there were more, they're just better at keeping stuff internal, but mm-hmm. I'm, there was some rocky times between Brady and Belichick. You yep. know, there were, so it was time to go. I wish for both parties involved, it would have happened a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, because to to have the last couple of years we did was was kind of frustrating, you know. Like they didn't give him the tools, and right. And I firmly believe, like like look at he went there. He he's already taken a pay cut, and all the things we wanted went, him to do here. And he went to minicamp. Yeah, like he went to. Yeah, uh, that was kind of a ooh, that hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. But again, that's a you know that's the biggest. Yeah. F you that you can have. Can I say that? Yeah. That's the big okay. Good. <laughs> yeah, That's the can. biggest f you yeah. that you can have towards the Packers right there. Absolutely. Like, see, if you would have just given me these things, and although we did give him things, let's not forget that we did yeah, give him a lot about what he wanted. They did yeah. make concessions, but they kind of had to as well. I mean, that's what happens when you're working with a guy who's a legend and a Hall of Famer. Yeah. What are you going to do? Ignore everything he asked for? You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't. You have to give in. I mean, they all yeah. have done that, no matter who they are. Yeah. You know. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm like, I think he's going to have a good year. 
Do I think he's going to make it to the Super Bowl? I really don't. There's just there's just too many talented quarterbacks. But again, maybe somebody gets hurt. Maybe no. maybe Pat Mahomes gets hurt. Maybe um, I can't even think of all their names now. Maybe somebody else Hope gets by hurt. By him, Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen is the other one. Yeah. Right. Um, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in that. Burrow already strained his calf. That doesn't right. look too bad. But yep. it's going to be another fascinating year of the I NFL. Just, I'm just excited to have kind of get back to just being a football team. Yep. Having the Green Bay Packers now. And not always, it's just Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. And I thank Aaron Rodgers for giving us a Super Bowl. That's great. It was awesome because I can still lord it over all those Viking fans, <laughs> especially my family. Yeah. You know, every time they get smart, I go, and how many Super Bowls have you been? How, how many Super Bowls have you seen your team mm-hmm. win? I've seen my team win two of them yeah. in my lifetime. Yeah. Dan and I were talking <laughs> earlier about how, like, when the Lions win, it's kind of like, that's good. Good for you, Lions. But when the Vikings win, it's no. never good. No. And <laughs> now this year, it's going to be both because, I mean, it sounds like Detroit could be. It sounds like our division really, anything could happen. Anybody could win it. it would be interesting to see what Fields does, his development. Yeah. Lions are explosive on offense. It's going to be a fun year. Yeah, I think so too. Fun year. Yeah. What about uh, – I know you're a big Brewer watcher. Are you, you yeah. watching this year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's been um, – it's been kind of frustrating, you know, because they too are right on the edge of something. And again, the Brewers never really go for it as far as doling out the money and yep. trying to get the players they need. They needed bats, so they went and got two of them. Yeah, like, like kind of like getting like bat, pe- people that bat like two twenty. Yeah, you know, it's like well, uh, what? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we needed a first baseman, so they had to get get one. I think Santana is the one they picked up, but I don't know. I mean, we're going to have all our pitchers back um, now, and that'll help. But still, I mean, you can win with pitching, but you still have to have some some batters, some people that can hit hit in the runs some, with RBIs. Mm-hmm. We just don't have enough of that happening. We get on base. We just don't get into home plate. It's so hard then to translate enough. pitching success into the postseason because, like, inevitably – there's those couple games that your starters go four innings, and then you got to go to the bullpen right. early, and then you're behind the eight ball. And that's happened a few times like that. Yeah, yeah, getting all creative with the bullpen and yeah, you know, wearing them out, and then you know, one week your starting pitchers are awesome and the bullpen sucks, mm-hmm. and they lose the game. The next week, the starting pitchers are awesome. Then we can't score, you know, and the bullpen is good, but then we can't, we can't. Every time the Brewers score. Less than four runs, they lose. Yeah, almost every single time. It's yeah. just a thing this year. But I still I love watching the games for the most part. It's kind of like Packer games when they get when they frustrate me. I get up and walk away from baseball because come on, it's like every day you can't sit there and watch all games every day. Otherwise, you're weird. Yes, <laughs> or then I'm like then I might as well just put on my cap and yeah gain two hundred pounds and sit in my chair and take book at home. Yep, yep, and yeah. take book at home. Was that a was that an error, or what would you call that? A base hit or an error? <laughs> yeah. I'm on. A, I'm currently on a uh, – it's not the Brewers' fault, so I won't call it a Brewer boycott, but I've only watched one Brewer game wow. all season. What's going on with you? The whole Bally Sports thing. It oh, tr- I know. It drives me insane. Yeah, I know. Absolutely well, insane. I know. I have to switch my streamers every year so I can watch the game on Bally Sports, and now Bally Sports is, you know – I, you know, I have to say, I never thought he would, but I like it when the games are on YouTube uh, TV. 
I mean, I'm sorry, Apple, Apple TV. Okay. They have uh, every, I think they've had like three ga- Brewers games now on Apple TV. Okay. Yeah, and their camera work and their, just the, um, just the way it looks So are they trying better. to make a play for those contracts? I think contracts? they are. Yeah, I think Interesting. so. Yeah. They have some decent um, announcing staff there, you know. I mean, from last year when they did it to this year, I've noticed it. it's better. And actually, as soon as you turn on the game, you're like, oh, wow, look at that. It just looks crisper. The camera shots are much better. They're on top of their, you know, the replays and stuff quicker. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that's where it's going to end up. Mm, and they have all the resources to throw at it, too. Yeah. That's fascinating because yeah. yeah. I think it's like 13 MLB teams that were with Bally, right? Right, and now already one's – how many are off the list? One for sure. Where did they lose the contract? Somewhere no they idea. did. For, I can't think of what team it was, but they don't have them on anymore. Yeah, I have no idea. All, I, I know the Brewers wish they could get out of their contract. You know yeah. that. It's It's been such a shit show. Like the, the price is way too high. Oh, yeah. For, for I totally agree. Way too high. And then w- right when it started, I thought about doing it. None of their tech worked. <laughs> like I couldn't get the like I literally the 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 week after it went live, I tried to download the Bally Sports app and, and set it up on my TV. The app wouldn't work like I couldn't watch the game. So I was like, I'm going to give you $20 and uh, every month. And it's yeah. not, not going to and work. not count on seeing the game. Yeah. Right. So. I, I just took a moral stand. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Well, now I'm hoping that Bally's out, quite honestly. I just, I'd love someone else to take over. I mean, there are people, I think whoever does take over, I think the Bally, a lot of the Bally people will get hired because they're not going to come, even if it was Apple TV, they're not going to come into every market and bring and hire all new people to do right. all this stuff anyway. Right. It's just that they'll have probably better equipment, yep. better resources, and use more some resources, of the same people. Better, more defined yeah. leadership. And- yep. Yep. Hopefully an IT team that can make their stuff work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, have, have there been, like, are the tech issues figured out? Like, is it pretty reliable? Well, I don't watch it on the app. We actually switch to DirecTV so we can watch. Okay. Yeah, we, we Man, stop. Yeah, don't come hang a dish and we, everything. You are into it. We stop our YouTube, <laughs> and then we, we picked up YouTube a few years ago just for the brewers. Okay. And then we ended up really liking it. You know, of course, now everybody's prices are going up. But we stop YouTube. We pick up DirecTV for six months during the baseball season. Then we stop that, go back to YouTube. And now YouTube TV has Sunday Ticket. They've got Sunday Ticket now, too, if you're Oh, jeepers. I don't – oh, more sports. I don't know if I – I don't know if I need that. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure how that will go over at home. Is Chris as big of a sports fan as you are? She is, actually. Yeah. Um, Maybe not quite as – quite as fanatical as I am about it, but she loves sports as much as I do. Yeah. Okay. Yep. We'll be glued tonight. We'll be watching the game at six and then at seven ten, Cause it'll probably be by then the after halftime, third quarter, who the cares previous, who's playing. We'll go to the, yep. We'll yeah. go to the baseball game and start watching that. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, uh, that's awesome to be able to, then, I mean, that keeps the conversations in the household going too. like, Samantha we always have something to talk too. about. Yeah. 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 yeah, or you know, complain it, about yellow. Yeah, about. yep. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Dang it! Yeah. God, what the hell is wrong with these guys? Yeah, yeah. We hear lots of there's lots of shouting from our son porch during Brewers <laughs> games lately. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what else? What else has? Uh, what else has retirement encompassed for you since you stopped? Because it's what it's good coming up on a no, it's over a year now. Over a year. Yeah. June first was a year. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe it. Probably a, just a terrible it flew by. year. It was it's a- oh, it really bit. <laughs> I it sucked. You know, I just do what I want when I want, how I want. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really really overrated. <laughs> Not. <laughs> you know, it's funny because when I run into people that I haven't seen for a while, they always say, "Well, how do you like retirement?" like really serious, like, well, kind of like, well, how do you like retirement? And I'll go, it's freaking awesome. Yeah. It's like the best thing that's ever happened to me. What do you mean? How, what's not to like, yeah. I don't get, and they say, well, you know, some people don't like it. And I'm like, well, then something's wrong with them. Yeah. You know, they've got bigger <laughs> problems than, re- than what retirement brought. They had yeah. a problem before retirement. If they don't like retirement, they mm-hmm. need to figure that out. You know? Um, that's why I knew it was going to be successful for you. We had some conversations before you retired and your frame of mind about it going into it was just in such a place of like positivity and love. Like you were waiting. Yeah. Oh, I was, I kind of knew it was time when you'll know too, when down the way down the line, when it's time, you just know when it's time. I mean, you've made career changes and you you knew it was time. And sometimes, you know, like we kind of talked about with, um, Aaron Rodgers, sometimes you are ready but it just doesn't happen on our time. You got to kind of wait for certain things to fall into place, but you're ready when they do. You're yeah. like, yes, here we go. Boom. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. But, yeah. um, I, I always found it. And then like when people would ask you like, what are you going to do? And you're going to pretty much your answer was, what does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do whatever I yeah. want. It's going to be great. Yeah. Whatever everyone I wants to know if you have like this big major plan for your retirement, yeah. are you going to travel? Are you going to do this? Are you going to yeah. do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I got to be retired for a while first, you know, just let me feel it and get into it for a while. And that's what I did. I took about five months and then I, um, got a couple volunteer gigs that I do. I, uh, one of them is I'm a, um, companion sitter for unity hospice, which I really, really dig. And I get Mm. a lot out of, it's really, um, really, that's such your style too. I guarantee you're so good at it. Well, I hope I am. Thank you. But, um, I really do enjoy it. I, it's like a privilege and honor to be, a part of the end of someone's life on earth. You know, I mean, it's like I sit there and I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm involved in this. I didn't know this person before, but now I'm a part of their end of life and trying to, I keep that always in mind to try to make sure it's as my part of it is as good as it can be or whatever they need from me. I try to give to them, you know? Um, and then I was, um, up until about a week ago, working as a volunteer ombudsman um, for the Board on Aging and Long-Term Care, which means ombudsman, I'd go into um, nursing homes, long-term ter- care units, you know, facilities all over here, Brown County, and visit with the residents and just to make sure, take notes, make sure, you know, like, does it look clean? Does it smell where it shouldn't oh, smell? Okay. Um, Holding people accountable. Yeah. Good. And then I don't, and the best part was I'm a volunteer. I never had to do anything about it. I just reported to someone. Yep. And then that was it. Well, both those things together started to get to be a little too much because I was spending a lot of time because some of my hospice people are also in long-term care. Mm-hmm. So it got to be kind of tough. And I decided I wanted to give one of them up and I decided the hospice one meant a little more to me than the other because hospice I wanted to do since my, my parents both died of cancer and both used hospice. So it was something I always wanted to do because it was so helpful to our family. Um, but now what I just did, which I'm very excited about is I just signed up, um, with the, um, life, lifelong learners Institute through UW green Bay. And I, you can take for $150 if you're 55 or over, I think it is. 
Um, you can take up to 10 or 15 classes. Yeah over semester. So I signed up for 10. Now, not all of them are classes that meet over and over. Some of them are like a one-off tour or like hikes in county parks, stuff like that. But I did take one class, you'll be surprised by this, Brad, called Current Affairs. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> who would have thought I'd do that? There will be robust discussion in <laughs> yes. that class, my friend. <laughs> and it said something like that, robust um, <laughs> What was the word? Um, respectful yes. of each other discussions, yes. which will be hard for me, but I'm up for it. No, not really. I wouldn't sell not yourself really. short. You're not very really. respectful. You, you can um, be forceful and respectful at the same time. That's true. It works. You're right. It you're works. right. Um, so that starts in September, you know, all the different things. Um, I'm going to take tours of like Sybil Hop School, Curative. I used to work at Sybil Hop, but it's so different now. I mean, it's been added on to and... Um, I'm taking hikes through county parks on three different occasions. I'm going to go to like Maribel Caves um, one day with people. I mean, there's all these things you can choose from. It's really cool. And then in spring semester, you can choose from classes again. That's amazing. So, yeah, I didn't really know that much about it until I started talking to other retirees. Yep. And they talked about it. I'm like, what is that? And they told me. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. Absolutely. So I'm going to do hospice for my heart and my soul and I'm going to do lifelong learning for my brain and the rest of it, you know, yeah. so I can still like go out and be somewhere and still be able to carry on conversations with people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As opposed, well, you meld into the people you spend time with. Because your brain gets a little with. mushy after a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's two pretty heavy things too, right? But that, uh, you know, that's such a natural progression because that probably scratches some of the itch that some of your career passions lived in. Like you were, exactly. you were a career helper in several different ways. Yeah. So like being able to do that of your own volition and time and energy making your decisions is such a, like it's such and an that's easy it. transition. You, that's, you hit it. That's it. It's like on your time and in your way, you know, with hospice, it's such a great volunteer job, not only because it's enriching and fulfilling, but I can do it on my time. Yeah. I mean, the people that I see, I have two of them right now. Um, I can, I have to, you know, I don't have to, I mean, but that's the requirement. I, I'm to see each of them once a week, but it doesn't have to be at a certain time or a certain day. I go when I can go. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't have to, I don't have any set routine where I have to be here every Monday at two o'clock because that's one thing I wanted to avoid at all costs. Now I did sign up for a class where I have to be there for two hours every other Tuesday, but now after a year, over a year of being retired, I'm not going to mind that so you much. block out one spot. Right. Yeah. 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 You got me so, on the calendar. I felt pretty important. Ah, you, yeah. yeah. You've been on there for a while in yeah. big letters too. I should have took a picture of it. I, well, it's in my phone, of course, but I have it on. We have one in our kitchen still that hangs on the wall so nice. that we both can see each other's stuff. Um, and it actually takes up the whole day because I wrote it so big. So if Chris had anything going on, she couldn't fit it in there because I wrote um, podcast at Brad's home, <laughs> one thirty in really big letters. Nice. Takes up the whole square. I love it. And put a star, a little star by it. <laughs> I love it. We do the same. We, I think everybody has the the fridge calendar, right? Oh yeah. I don't know. I grew up with it. It's just just something about it. I don't know. It's comforting, I guess. Yeah. In the, in the volunteer hospice thing, um, I have to assume like a different range of outcomes comes from that, right? Like what have the, how have the interactions differed? Have you had anybody that like was completely aloof and didn't want you there or the complete opposite and ended up like kindred spirits? Um, probably a little of both. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I had a woman who, who was just on the other side of becoming nonverbal, who when I first, she was in a long-term care unit. And I can't say too many details about right. the people, yep. um, but she didn't really want me to be mm-hmm. there. Um, so, you know, the first few times I came, I did most of the talking and just tried to keep it low-key. And sooner or later, she, we, she started warming up to me. Um, and we, we got to be really pretty close. And because um, her family, she had a couple kids but or, or so, and I, I, that's probably, I shouldn't even say that. Um, they couldn't be there as much as maybe um, she would have liked because they were working, you know. Um, but um, she became nonverbal, but we were able then to communicate just with our eyes. And I could kind of know, like, what she w- was thinking. So I'd say, do you want me to do this? Would you like me to do that? Is this what you want? Would you like me to, you know, tickle your neck? Would you like me to rub your arm? Would you like me to comb your hair? You know, stuff like that. Um, so that was really cool. Um, and I've also had a couple people that, you know, had pretty severe dementia. And those are the really challenging ones, but I really enjoy it because in any given moment, you can be, you, you can be somebody different to them. Because some of them will go from, they you know, 95 years old, thinking they're waiting for their mom and dad to pick them up from wherever they think they are, to talking about their daughter, that they know they have a daughter. So it goes, and then sometimes, like, not knowing who I am, but they recognize my face, because I've come so long now. The one guy I have, this we're going into seven months. Wow. So... And I just, you know, this one's going to, that, that one's going to get me a little bit. I know that. That's the hardest part of this is you do. That was my next question. You do get, my very first person I only saw once and then that was it. Um, but after that, I've had some longer term. The people I'm seeing now, I've seen one for six months and the other for seven. So those two are going to be a little tougher on me. You know, that's the tough part of it. I mean, there's only one outcome here. I mean, we're all going to have the same one, right? Right. We're all yeah. Nobody gets the out same alive. Line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But um, I don't know. I just, you know, if there's, if there's ever something, if anybody's listening that have, has ever thought about it, and you don't have to be retired to do it. It could be something, there's all kinds of things that hospice needs help with, but it could be a thing where maybe you do it for someone who only wants someone to visit on a weekend or at night. I mean, you have a young child and all that, not you, but other people that maybe are looking for a little something that they could do that would make them feel good and would be really super helpful to people going through it because everybody that has a, you know, now cancer is affected almost, and it's not just cancer, it's all kinds of illnesses. I mean, congestive heart failure, um, cancer, um, um, Lou Gehrig's disease, all of these, Parkinson's, all of this stuff, all, I mean, I've had a little bit of all of these. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you just need a break. The family needs a break once in a while. You have to get away from it. Um, so you just, it's just a really great thing you can do, even if it's just for an hour that you give this person a break to either go shopping or just go get a cup of coffee, go with a friend, go in their room and take a nap, go down in the basement and cry, whatever they (laughs) need to do and can't do, you know, because they're grieving and trying to take care of this person at the same time. Right. But, um, and by that scenario comes, by the time that comes, the, the hope is gone. Yeah. Like, I mean, some people actually, they just came out with a study. Some people 
actually live longer once they get in hospice. You know, usually hospice is a doctor says you can go into hospice when they say a doctor says and signs a sheet of paper that says you, chances are it's going to be six months or less. Okay. You know, that you are, um, the morbidity is it's coming. You know, you're going to die. There's no options. Right. Um, but some people have gone up to a year in hospice, you know. Yeah. Um, especially some people have gone into hospice and then gone back to palliative care because they got better, like a little better where they're like, well, I don't, you know, I think we need to put them back into a different program now where they're just getting, you know, care, but they don't need to be in hospice right now. So it's, it's real interesting. Um, and I think especially people that are lonely and don't have a lot of family, once they get that attention and all the care that they get from hospice, they do start to improve. It's yeah, amazing. Well, the mind is a wild thing. <laughs> yeah. A wild thing. Um, just how the, we respond to not only different scenarios that we find ourselves in, but like the the different kind of actions and involvements that come with those and how we like respond to those things differently. Even like, uh, you know, you read some of the studies about the like the work that they're doing between psilocybin and dementia and the differences that can be made and stuff. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's too bad that some of that stuff hasn't been able to be explored for a little while. Uh, just because of that reason, like how our brain reacts to things that aren't, um, whatever you want to call them, that aren't physical or aren't like, right. Um, aren't doctoral. Right. Right. That aren't part of of our wiring. Yes. I mean that we, that you can see. Yep that are part of it, but not the stuff you can see, yep. you know, the amygdala and the, this and the, that in your brain, the ponds, the, I don't know, all the parts I learned in biology one time. <laughs> I, can't remember, I can't remember. I don't even know if those, if those are part of that, that might be something else I'm talking about. <laughs> Maybe that's parts of the kidney. I don't know. About the only thing I know is from, uh, is from the water boy, the medulla oblongata. The, yeah, yeah, there you go. Oblongata. That's it. Yep. Yep. That's a pretty important part actually. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, amazing. I mean, it's just, you know, I sit there and this person is going from, you know, 50 years ago to current to 30 years ago to even more years ago, you know, talking about World War II, talking about this, talking about that, and then also kind of being a little bit in today, you know, it's just like, wow. But you know, I have to tell you the one thing that I hear over and over and over from all those patients so far has been, I, I want to go home. Every one of them says, I want to go home. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I always say you will, you will go home. You're going to go home. I promise you. Yeah. Because they are, you know, they're going to go to a different home, not the one they lived in, but they are going to go home right? or somewhere, you know, they're not going to be there in that situation forever. They're going to see what's on the other side of the line. Yeah. Yeah. That That's, that's probably not surprising, right? It's like, a, it's a, I think it's everybody's ultimate sanctuary when, when it eventually comes our time knocking on the door you hope that it's in a place that you're comfortable and that's home yep generally yep so that's probably yeah. par for the course yeah that's heavy stuff and yeah you've been doing that for what is. six sorry months no don't be sorry it's <laughs> um, great actually about nine months now i've been doing it nine months. yeah yep yep it's just you know i, I had a training and mm-hmm. you go through a training and all that because they give you a chance to kind of find out do you really think this is going to be something that you're going to be comfortable with so they you know you go through a lot of stuff in training and they tell you a lot of things because it's not for everybody, you know? I mean, 
you can't sit there and burst into tears when you're sitting with someone or, you know, um, and it's, it, it takes a lot of patience, especially when you're with the, um, people, you know, like when you ask them questions and all they say is, I don't know, you know, because they don't, I don't know. What did you do last week? I don't know. Right. You know, what'd you do this morning? Did you eat breakfast? I don't know because they really don't, you know, so you have to really be able to carry on sometimes one-sided conversations you know, but still connecting with the person. So I've been learning a lot. I'm not saying I was really good at it to start. I mean, I've learned a lot and I'm still learning, you know, still learning. It's such a, it's, it's a thing that I think we're all wired for, but not repeatedly, right? It's it's like a place we dig to probably, Mm -hmm. but they probably reveled in in your background for somebody that would want to do that. Just because of the things you've done, you had kind of a step forward. I think it did help me really when they looked at my uh, application yeah. Um, and I got hooked up through, to both of those through um, a volunteer um, expo that they had at the Rush last October um, in the new in the new Rush, whatever it's called, the expo, whatever Rush. Everything's a Rush something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, did the Rush sponsor this wall in, right here? It's in the big building by Lambo. <laughs> no, we're actually going to bleep that out until they pay the sponsorship fee. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> no. Man. I'll pay. I'll sponsor this piece of wood right here. Sweet, you can write your name on it. That, oh, Kathy, how cool of an idea would that be? Oh yeah, to have everybody that comes in writes their name. Everybody on here. that comes in right on the wall. Oh, wow, I've been here. I'm here during a revelation. That is, I might have to explore. Brad, that. look at the big brain on you today. <laughs> no, you came over. Notice, the idea. I said today. Today. <laughs> today. Qualifier. <laughs> Just kidding. You know I love you. Yeah. You too. It's so good to see you. You too. Even, but you just look so fresh faced. I like it though. It's okay. <laughs> but you know, I like the beard. Mm. So, mm-hmm. are you going to grow it for hunting or not? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. see. I never All did right. it specifically for hunting. That's um, true. You never did. You always had beards like off and on. Like one day you'd come in, it'd be there. The next day, I'd be finally at the end of the day, I'd look at you and think, what is different? Oh my God, he shaved his beard off. You want to know what one of the main deciding factors is? It's is humidity, surprisingly <sighs> or not. Because yeah, when you, when you shave bet. when it's humid, you get razor burn a lot easier. <sighs> so like, I it's kind of like a cliche thing that people grow beards in the winter and then shave in the summer. If you noticed, I was always kind of opposite. You like were. I, I would be clean shaven in the winter. And shaving or not shaving in the summer. Yeah, because I don't yeah. love shaving in the summer because it's always humid here. Like we live I don't in either. Look humid, at these legs. Look at those no, things. <laughs> I mean, we live in the humid capital of the world and it's like, Ugh. oh. Today is I mean the dew point today is like 68 even though it's only what 70 some degrees out it's cool but it's still very mm-hmm. thick and sticky out there yeah I am not a fan of humidity at all zero zero fan mm-hmm. yeah no we were Although I've lived in it all day. my life <laughs> what's that about yeah <laughs> <laughs> I hate it but I've lived here my entire lifetime you yeah. know I had plenty of chances to move away but it really means I really do love it you I moved, love the changing you seasons. You said you moved some when you were young, right? Like mm-hmm. you kind of moved around the, like where were your first radio gigs? They, were, they weren't here, right? They no, my first one was in Blue Earth, Minnesota, my hometown, yep. at a little AM station, KBEW, Blue Earth. <laughs> that's, I, now I remember that. that. That's such an interesting like, like uh, motto or, or like call sign. What do you yeah. even call that, the station The name? earth's so rich, the city grows. Is that what they said? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's not true though. <laughs> is it still- the population has gone down quite a bit since Walmart left town. Ooh, is it still in the air? 
Uh, yes, it is. Okay. AM 1560, I believe. Okay. Yeah. I can't believe I just remembered that. Wow. I think so, that's and it. it was, so that was your first one? That, that was, was my pro- first gig. That's like where a- I learned radio, actually. Okay. I never went to radio school. I got a job there as a receptionist um, after I dropped out of college. No, another whole story for another podcast. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> And um, I did, I worked as a receptionist pretty soon. They had an opening on Sunday afternoons on the big band show. Asked me if I'd want to try it. I said, sure, I'll give it a try. Did that. Started, they let me start talking on the air a little bit. Um, Lots of mentoring along the way. And then at some point, our afternoon drive guy left and to go be a stuntman. And um, they asked if I was interested. And I said, sure. And so that's sort of, and then also during all that time, I also, um, had to write news. I had to give news. I had to sell radio ads. I had to do a little bit of everything because, you know, it's a tiny 3,000, you know, 3,200 people town, county seat. So that's where the radio station was, you know. I mean, I had to read markets, you know, pork bellies, up 24, live cattle, feeder cattle, all of that stuff. I did all of it, a little bit of everything. So I re- and I did that for two and a half years. So I really think of that as that was my school. And then from there, I went to St. James, Minnesota, and had my own morning show at a brand new radio station that they started there. And from there, I went to Mason City, Iowa. Started at a brand new stick. That would be interesting. Yeah, it was. Well, and the guy was a nutcase that owned it, so it was really effed up along the way. I mean, it was a cluster. It really was. But, you know, I got paid, so... And then the guy who owned the station that I started at in my hometown, uh, Paul Hedberg, who was a big name in radio in Minnesota own stations in Iowa. And he called me up one day and said, Hey, I just bought some st- a station in Mason city, Iowa. Would you be interested? And I so badly wanted to get out of St. James because of other things, um, that I, uh, jumped at it. So I went out to Mason city, Iowa and worked there two and a half years and, and then ended up it's another story. I won't. T- I don't even want to go into that right now. But I ended up in Green Bay from there. Those are the best I stories. Know. Well, okay. Let me just say this: I met someone at a circus that was going through town, and that someone was from this area, and ended up bringing a tape of mine to people at Midwest Broadcasting. Yeah. And they called and said, you know. I came here. I never visited Green Bay. I just took the job without ever coming here. And um, then I came to Green Bay in 1986, and that was the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought for sure I, it was just going to be a stop along the way. Because my, my goal at that time in radio, of course, was to work in a major market. Because yep. that's what most people want to do. Yeah. And, and Green Bay is a great stepping stone It is. City. I mean, for like, everybody. Yeah. For TV, you see it all the time. All these TV reporters, the good ones, yep. are gone within three, four, five, six months. You yep. know, um, I had a couple opportunities, like in Milwaukee and Chicago, but most of them for like, were for like traffic reporting. Mm. You know, and I was like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, but I ended up calling Green Bay home, and I've been here ever since. Yeah. Yeah. By the time you came came here, your air checks had to be phenomenal. Like, I. Yeah, I, you know, I listen good. back to them now, and I, if I even have one, I, I have in the past listened to old cassettes, and I just cringe when I listen to it. But If it's too far know, ago, yeah. Yeah, I kind of go, oh. But at the time, oh. they were probably killer. Well, for the time, yeah, probably, because there weren't a lot of women in radio at that time. There just yeah. weren't a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and any women that were in radio usually got out as soon as they started having kids and that kind of thing, so... 
Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is a good old boys club at that oh, time, right? Like, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely it was. Yeah, yeah, I had to play the game. Yeah. Yeah, the whole way. The yeah. whole way. Even when I, after I was here, I did a little bit too. Yeah. Quite so, a bit. So how did that how did that work along the way? Like when were you out that whole time? Did everyone know you were gay at that time? And like, um, well, not, um, in St. You know, actually in, in blue earth, my hometown, they did not, there was only certain people that did. I mean, I was not out. I I wasn't even accepting of myself at that time. I was still still jumping back and forth. Yeah. A little bit. Um, and then, um, once I got to green Bay in St. James, I had a girlfriend and a lot of, and most people knew about it. It was a small town too, and it did. I think you know it didn't go over well with a lot of people there. Yeah. Um, and then once I came to Green Bay, I really started to. That's when I actually came out to my parents and and everything. So, um, but on the air, everyone at the station knew, you know, who I worked with for the most part. After a while, it took a while. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to go through the whole getting asked out and you know having to get out of it every time and going out to events with listeners and, you know, saying, Oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom and then never come back. Right. <laughs> Why does Kathy never come back when she says she's going to the bathroom? Well, and they, and the guys sick. would just go, Oh dude. Yeah. <laughs> or they'd say, Kathy went to the bathroom like 10 minutes ago and they'd say, dude, she's not coming back. Yeah. Not for you. <laughs> not coming back for you. So, you know, it was hard, I have to say, because I did not like, and it wasn't like I was pretending anything, but I didn't like not being totally who I was on the air. Um, And that's part of the reason I, it was a little, probably more of a bigger part of the reason I got off radio than anything, was I just didn't want to keep um, pretend, not pretending, I don't even know what to say, just, um, you know, like lying by omission kind of, yeah, yeah you know, um, and, and there's actually a lot of people in the, in the LGBTQ community who weren't very happy with me. Um, I'd get, if I was out at a gay bar, um, especially in my thirties, people would get after me once in a while and just say, well, we don't listen because you know, you don't ever say anything about your girlfriend or your, your lifestyle and blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, Hey, this is my living. I'm the one, I, I'm trying to make a living. I have to do what I have to do, you know, to make a living. And, you know, if you were in my shoes, do you know, are you sure you wouldn't do the same thing? Which would always make them think a little bit. But most of them were people that were so out that they probably were out when they got, were born, you know, so at that time. But it was hard. I wish, if I could go back and do it over, I wished I would have done it differently. Yeah. And I guess just say consequences be damned. You know, if I couldn't work in radio because of that, then I would have found something else to do. That's so easy to say, though, when you get to a place of comfort. Well, right. I can say it now. I mean, because yeah. I wasn't. I mean, it took me a long time to accept my own gayness, you know, to be okay with it. Because, like I've always told people, who wants to, you know, especially then, but now it's probably even more so not just the gay, gays, but people that are trans that are going through all of it, like we did 30 years ago or 20 years ago, where why would you wake up one day and go, Hey, I think I'll be a social pariah and have to hide most of my life and not talk about things like other people do because they might not like me and maybe even maybe physically wanting to hurt me or, you know, leave me out of things. Yeah. That sounds like a great way to spend my lifetime. Yeah. You know, like I always tell people, it is not a choice. Yes. Nowadays 
people can make those kind of choices and do they there's fluidity there's all this stuff you know but then you didn't just say I think you know what men piss me off I'm going to be gay for maybe a couple months I mean yeah anybody can do that but it's not how it works you know I think I knew I was gay when I was a little kid I just didn't know what it was I didn't know what to call it. Actually, as a teenager, I thought I was maybe nutty, crazy because of my feelings because nobody talked about that stuff in a small town in the mid-70s, early 70s. And anytime you heard something about gay people, it was always very derogatory, you know? Um, yeah. Like, oh, those dykes, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and then I'd see those people and I'd think, well, I don't look like them. I don't dress like them, so I must not be like them. So what's wrong with me? You know, so yeah. it was it was it was not a great fun time for the first 10 to 15 years when I was coming into it. You know, not yeah. that I didn't have fun because I did. I had a lot of fun. But mentally, it was a struggle. You know, I think it's um, I think it's a lot behind. I really think it's a lot not because. Well, I've had melanoma twice, stage four this, the last time. And I think. My cancer, not only because I was, you know, a redhead and had a predisposition towards it, but also because of the stress that I had in my life. Because when you're gay or anything different, black, brown, all of it, you know, when you're ever not the societal norm, you walk around with a level of stress every single day. Every single day, you have a level of stress. Especially when in areas of you know, perceived or potential discomfort where right. you like add that, all of that that you just said on top of being like ending up in a career where you're a public figure because you're good at it. Absolutely. And so that's an added amount. And then on top of being a public figure, you're in a place that's been ruled by the good old boys club. Yep. Like talk about a trifecta of just tough things. Yeah. And you know how I did it? No. I drank a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I drank a lot, mm -hmm. you know, um, too much <laughs> Yeah, really at times. And, but it was really what got me through. Um, and I don't advise that as a way to deal with things. Absolutely not. But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't real fun. Yeah. Because that's exactly what it was because I loved my job and I didn't, I was so afraid of being who I was on the air because especially in Southern Minnesota, Northern Iowa, I mean, and then, you know, Brown County, Green Bay, Wisconsin, we, we know what it's like. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not as conservative as it once was, but it's still pretty conservative. You know, I mean, just look at elections and stuff. You see, it's still there. It's still, there's a pretty strong conservatism, conservatism, wow, I can't even say it, um, that you know is there. So yeah, you get a little nervous. Now, now I'm at such a point of comfort in my life. Like I am who I am, who I am, you know, <laughs> and I want my spinach, but I, uh, you know, I don't care what anybody thinks about me, yeah. my anything. I yeah. mean, uh, there's a, you know, once I think you turn 50, you start getting that where you're like, you know who you are, you know what you like, you know what you don't like, you know, that time now is becoming less than more. So you go, you know what? This is me. You know, like the TV show, This Is Us. This is me. Yeah. You don't have to like me. You don't, because you know what? I don't have to like you either. And we don't have to spend time together. You know, I mean, yeah, when you're at work, you have to spend time with certain people. But 
you just come, I, I came to this natural point of comfort as I got older. And I think more um, self-confident too. You know, it comes with, if you have any self-esteem issues at all, that carries over into so many things. You know, I wasn't very good at relationships for a really long time. And that, a lot of it was really my own, was me. Well, you know? finding your person changes that perspective a lot oh. too because it makes that yeah. comfort come out. And now, I mean, you and Chris have over 20 years together, right? Yeah, 20 will be 24. 24 yeah. years. 24 years. So Can't I, even believe it. Yeah, time flies, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I met her when I was 15, obviously, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that's, I was going to say that earlier when you said you had to be uh, uh, what do you say the the Don't over the fif- over fifty five was the thing for the UWGB thing? I was yeah. gonna say, well, they must have made an exception. Oh, like, you should you have! I would have come over there and kissed you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, finding it, finding your person like that changes life's everything dynamic too. Because oh, then it's, yeah, it's so much easier to just not throw caution to the wind or or that, but like just be comfortable with. Who you are and what because you, you have do. someone you know is going to love you no matter what. Absolutely. You know, yeah. who knows all of you yeah. and is still wants to be with you. They already know you're batshit crazy <laughs> and they just stick around. So yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, it is because it's a it's a huge comfort thing. Yeah, it is because I mean, I, I didn't meet the love of my life till I was 39 years old. I tried real hard to, though, before that. <laughs> Every relationship I thought, this is it. This is the one, you know, which was the problem, yeah. you know, um, because I grew up, you know, again, I'm a small town girl. All I ever wanted was to meet someone, get married or not, but have a life together with someone and just live the white picket fence. That's what I, all I ever wanted. You know, I'm no different than anybody else really that way. I just, you know, I remember as a little girl when I'd play with other kids in that and we'd talk about getting married someday and all that. And I'd always say, yeah, I'm going to get married and I'm going to have three kids and I'm going to be a school teacher and all this and that. And then they'd always say, other girls would go, yeah, my husband's going to have blonde hair and he's going to look like, you know, Ken or whoever, Johnny West, you know, Um, for those of you who don't know, that was a cowboy toy from really long ago. Look it up. It's really cool. Really stiff. (laughs) Um, but I would always say, they'd say, well, what's your husband going to look like? And I'd go, I don't know. Cause I could never pictured that part of my thing ever. Even as a teenager, as I pictured my life, I never saw the husband, you know, um, which I, you know, I, I, you know, I know why, but yep. at the time it was like, I didn't, it just wasn't there, you know, ever. Like you said, as a part of where it wasn't dialogue that you had heard or it wasn't things that you were aware of it's just kind of the unknown yeah yeah I mean it to me it was like yeah it's genetic it was born in there and you know it seems like every family who says oh we don't have any gay people in our family I would like oh I beg to differ I'm pretty sure you do you just don't know it for some reason probably because they're not comfortable telling you yeah or feel you know like they can't Mm mm-hmm I tell that to people all the time, you know. I didn't have too many people I was comfortable telling, not even my parents for a while. Mm-hmm. But they actually were wonderful. My whole family was super supportive. They just said, you're our daughter. We love you. My brother and sister said, you're our sister. We love you. Nothing's changed, you know. And it was true because nothing did change. Yeah. Just who I brought home, Yeah. you know. That's yeah. all. And it's right. You said that it's usually they're usually your family get togethers are usually pretty rambunctious. Oh, yeah. Probably it's a good thing. It was Chris (laughs) because she could like, uh, you know, take it all in. Oh, yeah. She (laughs) 
and they all fell in love with her because of that. You know, yeah. she was just so even keeled, didn't get riled up about anything they'd say or do. Just kind of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you yeah. know. Yeah, she, I don't know how she does it. My family is all kind of like me. We get together and we all talk at the same time. But we all answer each other too because we, for some reason, can hear what each other is saying. And yeah. all, the, all the partners of each one of us all like sit together and just shake their heads. Like, how did we end up with these people? Yeah. <laughs> so Green Bay was then obviously the end of your radio journey. What? what yep. That 20, oh, let's see, 20 years total, but I think in Green Bay, 86 to 2000 is 16 years. No, 14. Sure. Here. So that's like the longest run. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Of anything I ever did. Mm-hmm. Well, not now, because now I've been out of radio for 20 years. Yeah. I've been out longer now than I was in radio, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And then was it just the, was it uh, two stations in the Green Bay area? Well, actually, the first one I worked at was a country station, a little AM country station that doesn't exist anymore called WGEE, okay. which now has a call letters, I think W, it's still, it's 1360 AM. I don't know what their W something. Um, and then it was... Uh, Star 98, which went through different name changes over the years. You know, every time a new consultant came in, they called it something different. Um, but it was 98.5 FM. Was there for quite a few years um, and worked with Doug Kaufman, who was my morning partner. Then he went over to the sports station, WDUZ, that was owned at that time by Laird Broadcasting. But then Cumulus bought all that out. Yep. So when that happened, I worked with a couple other people. It just there wasn't the chemistry so I ended up going you back you had a to Midwest. Really good run with Doug, right? I like did. That was a yep. Great show. And then Doug and I, after I left and went back to Midwest and did my own morning show on a light station there, we ended up being reunited again um, about three years later. And then that's that's where I finished my career. So Doug and I worked together two different times. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. We just were lucky. We just we had the chemistry. You know, it just worked. And Doug was very supportive of me and who I was and very protective of it. Nice. Yeah. 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 And that, so then leading up to the end of that, uh, you know, talking about making your transition, kind of similar to what I did, uh, you were a returning learner as an adult and then completely changed paths. Um, Sybil Hop was your first job post-radio, right? Yep, yep. I went back to school at NWTC and got an associate's degree as a speech-language pathologist assistant. Um, and then the DPI would not give that um, position licensure. There was lots of reasons for it. But I was able to get a job at Civil Hop because of that degree that I had, because so many kids there are, you know, have speech language therapy, you know, challenges. So I went to Civil Hop, um, fell in love with it, just loved it there. The staff, the students, I never, I didn't know I had that propensity to work with special needs populations, like, until I did. And I just loved it. I mean, I probably would have stayed there for my whole career, but I did need to make more money because I was, you know, a late, le- a late, cr- you know, yeah. degree getter and, and all we that. We all know we did. Yeah. Nobody gets rich in radio. Not around no, here. <laughs> I didn't even have a retire. <laughs> yeah. They didn't even have um, IRAs or four hundred one ks until I was like thirty two. I didn't have any of that. I spent all my money. And I, you know, it was great, but not great now, but well, now it is. But anyway, so I worked there for about eight or nine years, I believe. And then during that time, I knew like, okay, I had great benefits there, 
um, because I actually work for CESA through the county. I had great benefits, but the hourly pay just, it just wasn't going to, I would had to work till I was 70. And I just didn't want to do that. So I went back to UWGB um, to get my bachelor's degree finished um, and got that. And, you know, people say, what's your degree in? Psychology and human development. And then, of course, everybody said, well, what are you going to do with that? And I said, whatever I want, mm-hmm. you know. So and that's what happened. I got a job as a case manager to, uh, for disadvantaged youth down in Madison or Madison. Sorry, Manitowoc. Um um, through a company out of Madison, and I worked at the job center for about a year. And then um, there was a job opening in the um, accommodations or special or the disabilities um, disability services department at NWTC. And long story short, got hired there. Um, worked there two and a half years. There was a cutback at the college, um, one of the last ones I had, and two people from student services had to be let go. And Last in, first out. Mm-hmm. Um, myself and another person from the counseling department who had been there for quite a while, a lot longer than I had been there. So, um, but fortunately, in the same meeting that they were telling me this, they also said, here's three openings that we have that we'd like you to apply for. And I looked them over, and Career Services was one of them, and I loved that department. I, I knew of um, our boss, and I knew people in there, had become friends of mine, and so long story short, you know, I, again, I say that a lot, long story short, mm-hmm. I got, and I'm never short, I'm never short with my stories, that's what's so stupid about it, I always but say long story, so long story short, not, I'm going to go on and on about it, um, yeah, I got hired and worked there for six, seven years, I think, in that department, Yeah. and then uh, the pandemic happened, and I wasn't planning on retiring when I did, but Everything changed. That changed everything. I um, when we came back after it, it just wasn't the same feel that we had before we went in. The numbers were down as far as like people on camp. Not that numbers are down. I mean they are everywhere, but people weren't taking as many class. There weren't as many students on campus because a lot of people then were now taking classes from home, you know, and working from home part of the time. So there wasn't this quite the um, what I want to say energy on campus that I really thrived on just wasn't quite the same for me. And I just realized I wasn't enjoying it as much as I had pre pandemic. So from, I went from thinking I'm going to work till I'm 66 to, you know, a week after I turned 62, I retired. Boom. Oh, so just you like fast that. forwarded that decision. I didn't I know did. that. I did. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't really my plan until the pandemic, like I said, it changed it for me. Okay. Yeah. I just started thinking, I don't know if I want to do this like this. Okay. This isn't really kind of what I signed up for. That part I didn't know about. So how long was that transition period? Like how long from the time where you thought maybe retirement is an option till you said, yep, I'm retiring? Probably about four months. Okay. Pretty quick. Yeah, pretty quick. Because my partner, Chris, was already retired. So that That sort of edged it along. Oh, yeah. I won't pretend it didn't because... You know, I knew I was going to give, I knew that I would give her at least a year to be retired without me around. And, you know, just because she had a high, high stressful, you know, management type positions all through her career. And so she needed to, um, then the pandemic for her to changed how she was doing her job. And she just decided there was some changes at her work. And she was like, I'm, I just don't want to go through all of this stuff again. And I said, retire. So she did. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
I let her have a, a little over a year or so, year and a half almost. And, and, you know, when someone, you come home and dinner's made every night, that's great. But after a while, it'd be more great to be home, you know, preparing the dinner yourself because you weren't working all day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the shine sort of wore off. And, and of course that was part of it. Yeah. Just that then, you know, because if one person's retired and you're not, after a while, this person wants to do this stuff and go here and do this and you're holding up the show over here. Mm -hmm. Well, I only have five vacation days that I can use for that. I can only use this many and we'll take your sick days. Oh, you can only take so many. Then you got to have a doctor's note. You know, it just, yeah, it starts to get a little bit wonky. And you are kind of at a, like, in addition to being at a point in life where you're comfortable in your own skin, you're also at a point like some of the stuff you've been through with the melanoma and things like that, where at least from an outward perspective of mine looks like you don't, you're not at a place where you take those minutes for granted. So right. That was also a huge part of it. Yes. When, you know, your partner's at home and she's retired and you're thinking I could be spending these hours with her Mm -hmm. as opposed to working that has to weigh in on it too. It did. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. You know, I really should have. That was probably more than anything was my health. And we'd be lying if it wasn't Clark, too. Well, yeah. I mean, you have a dog like Clark. I mean, you want to be there with him, you know, make sure he's not ripping up the house while your partner who's retired is in the garage all day making furniture. Like, what about the dog? Somebody's got to pay attention to the dog. I guess I'll have to retire. You said you're the the Clark disciplinarian of the household, right? Uh, or no, you're no, Chris no, is the disciplinarian. You're the one that lets Clark get away with everything. Yes. I'm the one that feeds Clark like this. Oh, goodness. So how was your day? Yeah, really? Oh, uh-huh. oh from the oh, table? Yeah. Ooh. I know. Big no, no. And I know better, but uh, once he you looks do it, at me. <laughs> he looks at me and I just, oh, you're so cute. You're starving to death. <laughs> yeah, it's starving. Yeah. Doesn't have an ounce of meat left. You on need his bones. some donuts because that's good for you. <laughs> yeah. Bad. Oh, man. Yeah. So, um, well, sure. I mean, my mortality stared me in the face. You know, I got told I had maybe six to 18 months at one point. Yeah. So, I was like, oh, wow, okay, uh, <clears throat> okay, um, all right, now what, you know? I mean, I started, you know, making some plans and writing things down, and um, luckily I got into a clinical trial that obviously worked really well for me and had a great surgeon um, and vascular surgeon who got this complicated, messed-up tumor out of my body without too much damage, you know? Um, and now I'll be, it'll be 10 years this November, oh, yeah. Man. So, it, so was a, it was a clinical trial that you were lucky enough to be involved yep, in. Yep, yep. Wow. And wow. it worked for me. I know they don't use that treatment anymore, but it, you know, obviously worked well for me. Wow. They have even better ones now. So I don't even, part of me is like, if I got cancer back, I just look at it as like a chronic illness now. Like, you know, there'll be new treatments and there are for melanoma. They've made great strides. Now, the only thing that would mess it up is if it was in your brain or something, that's a pretty tough one to, you know, yeah. overcome. Yeah. But, um, you know, they, they just can keep extending. It's just, I look at it as a chronic illness where they could just keep extending my life and extending my life and extending my life. So I've already had a lifetime more than some people do have had already, you know? So, um, I don't worry about it at all anymore. Is that possibility something they tell you about? Like, is it yeah. something they told you then? Like you're, are you at more of a propensity to have it again or something? Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like your odds or the percentage chances of getting it back again, you know, or this or that. But, um, I just quit 
worrying about it, only to the fact that I know life can change in an instant, like truly. Um, so that's why too, I thought, do I want to work till I'm 66 and then all of a sudden be unhealthy or find out I have cancer and I'm going to die in three months, then I'm really going to be ticked off. And I was like, no, that's not what I want. That's not how I want my story to end, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's a a good friend of both of ours that just happened to, but in some ways I think, in some ways I think that's how he may have wanted it. Absolutely. Because he wanted he loved working so much and yeah. teaching and all that so much that, you know, I think he probably was almost forced by family and everybody to like, you got to quit and Even go. Consider yeah, yeah. You got to kind of think about it. And then as soon as he makes up his mind, he's going to do it. He basically died before he hit his retirement date even. Yep. Yeah. 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 I just, you know, for him, I think I tell myself that was okay. And then I think, well, I had a conversation with him about it actually on the phone and he was okay with it. He was. Yeah. Yeah. He was okay with it. Um, He met it head on and he was okay with it. Mm -hmm. And I said, I totally get it. Good for you. You know, just make sure you keep yourself comfortable. Unsurprisingly almost, right? Right. Oh yeah. He he was such a moving person because of the, because of that almost attitude, that attitude that he had that, it's unsurprising that he met that thing face to face and seemingly within a week he came at me with an adage that was just like, you know, unbelievable. Like, yep. like it's like, oh my goodness, you know, like only you could think of that and a week after someone told you you're like you're dying. You're dying. Yeah. Only you would come to me and say that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, he was re- he was just a remarkable person. Yeah. And I feel like yeah, he came into everyone's life that he came into for a reason. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, I'll never, uh, I'll never forget. He, uh, one time and it was joking at the time, it was probably maybe a year and a half before he found out the bad news that he was dying and stuff. Uh, he, he kind of joked to me one time. He said, you know what, bud? He was coming, but he said, you know what, bud? They're going to have to pry my hands off this keyboard. <laughs> yep. I heard him say stuff like that too. They're going to have to pry me out of here. Cause and I'd always do. say, Andy, how old are you? You know? <laughs> and okay, he, yeah. and he'd say, whatever his age was, 70s. And I'd just be like, God, yeah. how do you do it? And he said, I love it. This is what gives me my energy. Yep. You know, they're going to have to pry me out of here. They're going to have to carry me out of here, you yeah. know. Um, <laughs> and practically, they almost had to, you know. So, yeah. but I um, I always think of him fondly now because I think he probably was okay. I, he told me he had a full, wonderful life. Yeah. You know, he said he has, I have no regrets. Yeah. I've had a great life. What's there to complain about, you know? Yep. And I tell people that too. If I fell over right now on the floor and neither buddy, nobody in here knew how to save me and give me CPR, um, it'd be okay with me. I mean, well, maybe not okay, but I'd be, still wish but I knew I, CPR. But. Yeah, I, yeah, I still wish you did. <laughs> um, but it'd be okay because I've, I mean, I've had a great life. You know, I've done lots yeah. of things. I, I don't, I don't want for anything. I don't need anything more. I don't. I'm just now, right now, I'm just enjoying my life. It's like bonus, you know, bonus time. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I look at it. It's all a bonus. You want to know what's weird? You you want to know? I bet who else feels like that right now? Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> it's bonus time. It's, it's bonus Woo! life. It's bonus yeah, life. Yeah, it is for him. Absolutely. He's going to be 40 years old, and he's still playing mm-hmm. football. Mm-hmm. And he has a chance to be an MVP again. Mm-hmm. You know, if, he's, if, he thinks he's, if he thinks he's with the right people now, and he has the weapons to... That he always wanted to have. Yeah, it's bonus time for him. Yeah, good segue back into football. I like that. I, I, I loved it. It was how awesome. Could, how could we not sandwich? Bring it back around could, to Aaron Rodgers. Yes. How could you and I not sandwich our conversation with sports, 
some of the heaviest, most awesome things that you could ever talk about and then end it with sports, sports. and probably some funny shit. <laughs> Pat, go. That's totally our style. Yeah, that's, that's totally true. That's true. That's very funny. That was good. Nice segue. Way to tie that. What's that called? Piggybacking or whatever? Piggy, piggyback? I don't know. I don't know. I like segue. Yeah. When they have a commercial on and it's like 15 seconds and then they go to another one and then they come back with another 15 second bookends. Oh, uh, bookends. You bookended yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Good job. Bookended it with sports. Yep. Yeah. That was very good. <laughs> the old bookender you. Brad the bookender. <laughs> it was so good to talk with you. Thank you, Kathy. You too, Brad. It was a pleasure.